Welcome to your Catholic drive time. Keeping you informed and inspired. We love God. We ought to be able to talk about him. Getting you started on your day. With the latest in breaking news and information. From the Vatican to the White House and everything in between. It's serious. It's fun. It's your Catholic drive time. And welcome to Catholic Drive Time. This is your host, Adrian Fonseca. Today is Monday, June 12th, 2023. Saint, the feast of Saint Gush and Assad. The Saint Gush and Assad was a powerful figure in the Persian Empire during the fourth century. Born into a society that worshipped the sun god, the sun god Mitra, Gush and Assad converted to the Catholic faith through the apostolate of Saint Bartholomew. However, when Emperor Shaper II decreed a persecution against Catholics, Gush and Assad feared for his life and renounced his faith. One fateful day, as he was being led to prison, Gushad Azad encountered Bishop Simon and a friend and a Catholic. But instead of receiving a warm greeting, the bishop averted his eyes with indignation, deeply affecting him. The eunuch realized the gravity of his betrayal and his heart was filled with remorse. Driven by his newfound remorse and a desire for true conversion, Gushad Azad changed his outward appearance, donning mourning garments in a dramatic display of sorrow. This unexpected transformation drew attention at the royal court, and Emperor Shaper II summoned him to explain his change in demeanor. In the presence of the emperor and his court, he confessed his twofold perfidy, betraying his god and the emperor himself. He spoke of his hypocrisy in worshiping the sun, while his heart protested the action. Unyielding in his position, Gushad Azad was condemned to death. Before facing his execution, he requested a last favor from the emperor. He asked that heralds proclaim throughout the city of Susa that he was being put to death because of his Catholic faith and refusal to renounce God. The emperor granted his request and the proclamation echoed through the streets, inspiring and fortifying the faith of the, the dispersed Catholic community. Thus, on Maundy Thursday, on the year 344, St. Azad embraced martyrdom. His conversion and steadfastness in the face of death became an example of grace triumphing over the weakness and a testament to the power of prayer. We can learn from his story the importance of seeking out true conversion, even in the midst of our greatest failings. His journey reminds us of the unfailing mercy of Our Lady and the potential for redemption when we turn to her with confidence. May he intercede for us and inspire us to walk in fidelity and love of God and Our Lady so that we may one day join him in the glory of heaven for all eternity. St. Gush Arasad, pray for us. Happy Monday to you. I hope you had a blessed Monday. And that your Monday was very rest, or your weekend rather was very restful. I hope you spent it and uh, having a great time, not uh, bogged down with too many worries. That would be a wonderful thing. I'd be very curious to know what you were up to this weekend. If you can join us in our social media streams, I would be I would love to know how your weekend went. But today we have a lot going on. But right now, joining us right now is Tito Edwards. Good morning to you, Tito. Good morning, Adrian. What a great day. Today's Monday after Corpus Christi, uh, the, the translated feast to Sunday, and uh, looking forward to this week. Uh, we had a nice procession through the first public procession 
after so many years of uh, doing it only on the campus of Our Lady of Walsingham. We did it around the neighborhood, and it was a great witness to all those around, and mighty, mighty warm and hot. So uh, I think I lost three or five pounds of water. It was definitely a very hot Sunday. The That was... Uh... <laughs> That was pretty rough. That that the uh, it was like what ninety eight degrees outside. At least it felt like it. So that was a not ideal situation. But nonetheless, praise be to God that uh, many many people I've seen pictures from all over the diocese and all over the state. Uh, people talking, uh, sh- sharing videos and footage and pictures of them doing Corpus Christi processions. You know, I'm curious if in Corpus Christi, wonder what they do in Corpus Christi, Texas, on the feast of Corpus Christi. They they should be throwing like a massive celebration. It's their their paternal feast of their entire city. They that would be amazing uh, opportunity to throw a major party. Uh, yes. What a what a grace! What a grace! Hopefully through downtown and and throughout major parts arteries of the city. Absolutely. You know, the at 15 past the hour. Speaking of uh, some uh, need of the Holy Eucharist. These some crazy stories. There were some witches that were seen eating animals in someone's backyard, uh, practically. So we're going to talk about that story at 15 past the hour. Plus, a quote-unquote trans man, meaning a woman who has done extensive work to look like a man, uh, expresses their loneliness. It's a very, very concerning situation that uh, I think is worthy of having a conversation about. At 30 past the hour, Mr. Michael Whitcraft with the American Society for Defense of Tradition, Family, and Property in California is going to be on with us to talk about the L.A. Dodger protest that's happening this Friday. I think it's going to be a wonderful thing, and uh, maybe I'll fly out to L.A. and join him because it seems like this is going to be a massive situation so we're going to talk to Mr. Whitcraft about that at 30 past the hour. And in the next hour, there were uh, two stories. One story I'll just bring up briefly. It's a good news story. A, it's, it's good news and bad news, I guess. A Louisiana farmer refuses to back down as they under att- attacks from being Catholic during Pride Month. And he these uh, other story out of Crisis Magazine, there's an excellent article on the devil hating religious habits and cassocks. So if you... Uh, don't if you uh, want the devil to hate you, which I mean, if you're uh, a lover of God, then you definitely want that. Then we should encourage that religious wear their habits and priests wear their cassocks. So all this coming up in this hour, you're going to want to tune in for the entirety of the show. So stick with us and we're going to have a great time. But let's begin in prayer, as is our custom. We're praying for whatever it is you have going on in your life, especially for the beginning of the work week, that everything goes your way, that you succeed and accomplish all the tasks you have set out this week. We pray for our friends, family, and benefactors and all those that we promise to pray for and for especially during the month of June for an increase in the virtue of humility, and for the smashing of the LGBT heresy. In the name of the Father, and the Son, and the Holy Ghost, amen. My loving Jesus, out of the grateful love I bear thee, and as a reparation for all my unfaithfulness, I give thee my heart, and I consecrate myself wholly to thee. And with thy aid I propose never to sin again. Heart of Jesus, burning with love for us, inflame our hearts with love of thee. Let us pray, Lord, we beseech thee, let thy Holy Spirit kindle in our hearts that fire of charity, which our Lord Jesus Christ, thy Son, sent forth from his innermost heart upon this earth, and will that it should burn with vehemence, who liveth and reigneth with thee in the unity of the same Holy Ghost, God, forever and ever. 
Amen. In the name of the Father and the Son and the Holy Ghost. Amen. And now your headline news with Tito Edwards. Good morning. You are listening to Catholic Drive Time, keeping you informed and inspired. Today is Monday, May 12th, Anno Domini 2023, and these are your headlines. Crux is reporting multiple leaders among the U.S. Catholic bishops came together earlier this week to encourage lawmakers to explore protections for children online, and now the bishops are encouraging Catholics nationwide to do the same. Catholic News Agency is reporting Sacred Heart flags on Twitter and other ways to celebrate Jesus' Sacred Heart this month. On Twitter, users have been sharing images of Sacred Heart flags to mark this month. An image of Jesus' most sacred heart can be shared on social media networks. Catholic World News and Vatican News are reporting four days after his surgery, Pope Francis watched Sunday Mass on television June 11th, received Holy Communion, and had lunch with hospital staff, the Vatican Press Office said in a statement. And finally, LiveSite News is reporting Biden officials acknowledges Communist China has had spy facilities in Cuba for years. An official within the Biden administration who was granted anonymity to discuss a sensitive subject told the Wall Street Journal that the Chinese government has long had intelligence co collection facilities in Cuba and conducted an upgrade of those facilities in 2019. Those were your headlines this morning. May God bless you all. The Gospel of the Day comes from Matthew chapter 5, verses 1 through 12. Jesus, when he saw how great was their number, went up onto the mountainside. There he sat down, and his disciples came about him, and he began speaking to them. This was the teaching he gave. Blessed are the poor in spirit, the kingdom of heaven is theirs. Blessed are the patient, they shall inherit the land. Blessed are those who mourn, they shall be comforted. Blessed are those who hunger and thirst for holiness, they shall have their fill. Blessed are the merciful, they shall obtain mercy. Blessed are the clean of heart, they shall see God. Blessed are the peacemakers, they shall be counted the children of God. Blessed are those who suffer persecution in the cause of righteousness. The kingdom of heaven is theirs. Blessed are you when men revile you and persecute you and speak all manner of evil against you falsely because of me. Be glad and lighthearted, for a rich reward awaits you in heaven. So it was they persecuted the prophets who went before you. The Gospel of the Lord. Praise to you, Lord Jesus Christ. Cornelius Lapide had a lot to say about this passage. In fact, I timed it out, and it was 10,000 words that were written for a commentary on this gospel, and we definitely will not get through all of that. Instead, we're going to focus in on just two lines here. Blessed are the pure heart. Let's start there. A pure heart means a chaste mind, free from all lust and carnal concupiscence, as though he said, blessed not those who have a clear intellect as philosophers, nor yet those who have a clean and fashionable clothes, which many cannot have, but who have a pure and chaste mind, which we all can have. And more fully, blessed are those who have a pure conscience of those, namely, who have cleansed it of every stain of sin, from evil thoughts and desires, from passions and perturbations, from all evil intentions, especially from all duplicity and hypocrisy. Thus, if a fountain be pure and unmuddy, so will the waters which flow from it be pure and unmuddy likewise. But if the heart be pure, the actions which spring from it will be pure and clean. 
Now, Cassian says, gives it as a mark of perfect purity of heart when anyone has no impure dreams, but all his visions are pure and holy. He describes a ladder by which we may mount by degrees of this purity. The beginning of our salvation is the fear of the Lord. Of the fear of the Lord is born wholesome compunction. From compunction proceedeth contempt of possession, of divesting ourselves of them. From the divesting proceeds of humility. Of humility is generated mortification of the will. By mortification of the will, all vices are rooted out. When vices are expelled, virtues fructificacy and increase. By the growth of virtues, purity of heart is gained. Now, this is important to note because St. Thomas, who is known as the angelic doctor, is known to never have been tempted against purity after his trial with the prostitute. After that, he was never tempted against purity, and that's why he is called the angelic doctor. Because with his mind, he had already a great mind, an intelligent mind. But by having angelic purity... He was able to see the face of God. He was able to understand the truths of the faith more clearly and more and in more full, in a more full manner. And so this is very important that we have a pure heart, because this is the only way in which we may see God. For if our Lord says, Blessed are the pure of heart, for they shall see God, it is implying the inverse, namely, those who do not have a pure heart will not see God. This is a very, very important thing to keep in mind. Now, lastly, I want to point out this just briefly. Blessed then are those who suffer for righteousness sake because persecution separates us from the world and unites us to God because we suffer it for the sake of God, because by this we become like Christ. Now, this is very important because Cornelius Lapide, who was a Jesuit, he quotes, he says, Wherefore, blessed Francis Borgia, the third general of the Jesuits, was wont to say, There are three things which persevere the society of Jesus. This One, the study of prayer. Two, the union of the members among themselves. And three, persecution. And he gives the reasons. Prayer binds us closely to God. Concord unites the brethren with one another. And persecution separates us from the world and compels us to act with prudence that our persecutors may have no handle against us. This is something to keep in mind in our day when things are so comfortable. When we live in a world where it seems as though we can get away with even an easy life. That we can just, you know, go along and get along. We can just live our lives. No big deal. But what do we recognize? Without persecution, if we reject the cross, then we will reject the faith. More on this coming up after this short break. Hey, Donnie, what do we say when we make the sign of the cross? In the name of the Father, Son, Holy Spirit. Did Mama teach you that? As parents, we're the primary educators of our Catholic faith to our children. And if you don't know your Catholic faith as well as you should, that's okay. Just tune in daily to the Guadalupe Radio Network by logging online to grnonline.com. The Guadalupe Radio Network. Listen, learn, love, and pass it on. This is Dale Alquist with a Chesterton Minute. Have you ever heard someone say, all religions believe basically the same thing. They only differ in their external forms, in the way they express it. G.K. Chesterton says the truth is precisely the other way around. 
The religions of the world do not differ greatly in rites and forms. They do differ greatly in what they teach. In most every religion, people pray, they sing, they read sacred texts, they honor their traditions, they have special feasts, they light candles and so on. But they don't teach the same things. They don't believe the same things. There's only one religion that believes that Christ is the Son of God, that he suffered and died for our sins and then he rose from the dead. Only one religion believes in one holy Catholic Church, the communion of saints, the resurrection of the body, and life everlasting. Want more than a minute? Chesterton.org And welcome back to Catholic Drive Time. This is your host, Adrian Fonseca. It's so good to be here with you today. Praise be to God. Good morning to you. I hope you're having a blessed Monday, a good Monday morning. You know, it's... It was a long weekend. It was a long weekend, a good weekend. But nonetheless, it's good to be back in the saddle. It's good to be on the Catholic Drive Time Show yet again. It's always good to be here on Catholic Radio. You know, there's a couple stories that were very concerning that I saw. Uh, thank you to Sergeant Jesus Robles. He was sending me some of these articles over the weekend, and I was just like, whew. Well, let's start here. The witches, there were witches that were eating a dead carcass. And this is very interesting to me. There's a reason for that. I'll tell you after I tell you the story. Uh, this is the story. A nature lover in Powell River, Canada, was shocked when her wildlife camera captured images of two scantily clad women. And by the way, scantily clad women is an understatement. They were naked. Appearing to eat a dead deer carcass, Corinia Stanhop, who had set up a camera to capture wildlife activity at night. But instead, it captured the eerie sight of two figures with long black hair squatting over the dead deer. The images went viral on social media, with some speculating the women were witches, demons, or part of a local cult. Stan Hop was concerned as her house was only a short distance away, and she worried about their potential impact on her horses. Although tempted to contact the police, they decided against it as the women were not technically doing anything illegal. She hopes it was just a prank or that they were under the influence of drugs, Social media users expressed fear and urged caution, suggesting the presence of supernatural beings like skinwalkers or wendigos. So this is the story, and this is very concerning for a number of reasons. One, isn't it interesting that she said she hopes that it was something like they were just on drugs instead of witches? Very interesting. It's very interesting to me as well, because if you look at the comments on these things, everyone was like, no, this is a witch. This is definitely a witch. Oh, yeah, this was something supernatural. People are supernatural in terms of our, our mindset. Our mindset uh, thinks of things in the supernatural because we have a natural tendency to know that there are things beyond ourselves. And if you read Shakespeare, you read Hamlet, what is the famous line there? There is more on heaven and earth than is dreamt in your philosophies, Horatio. Why is that said? Because we like to pretend that we are these uh, stoics, these minds, these minds trapped in a vat, that we can just separate ourselves from, the rea- from reality. This is not true. We can't do it. We know that these supernatural things are, in fact, real. And yet, what do we see here? We see that most people agree with us. So we have all these people who make fun of you for trying to say that angels and demons are real. But at the same time, there is most of these people believe in some kind of supernatural something. Now, what was this exactly? Well, we don't know exactly what this was, but it would not surprise me if these were witches. We know that witches are real. We know there are people who worship Satan, and we know they do these perverted things in the woods. 
where they will try to sacrifice animals and have these kind of rituals over dead animals. This is something that is very real and something to keep in mind because we are at war with the world, the flesh, and the devil. And the devil has his soldiers, and those are witches. Amongst many other things, witches are one soldier of the devil, even if they don't think they are. Because you know you have many witches and who would call themselves, put themselves in categories. Oh, no, I'm a good witch. I'm a good witch. No, there is no such thing as a good witch because there's no such thing as good magic. These things, these rituals are always bad. And a lot of these people are atheist. And they're saying, no, I don't even believe in God. I just believe in nature. Well, what do you think the pagan religions were? It was a worship of nature. And what did St. Paul say? St. Paul said that all the gods of the pagans are demons. So what does that say? This says that they are worshiping demons. So these are the problem and something to keep in mind whenever people try to tell you that you're crazy for believing in witches. You're crazy for believing the demonic. You're crazy for thinking these crazy things are happening in the world. Every day we see it. And now we have a video footage of these kind of things happening right in our backyard. And so let's just keep that in mind. People, well, people don't understand that God has put the search for him in our hearts. And when people are looking in that video and saying those are demons or those two ladies that are, are devouring that deer are searching for a, a de- whatever uh, occult they're following through, they're searching for God and they don't know it. And they're filling themselves up with all these heresies or false false gods and, and unbeknownst to them or maybe even known to them. They are worshiping demons and serving them. So that's just another proof that God has put the desire for him in our hearts, naturally. Yeah. Well, maybe. I, I don't know. I'm, I, a lot of these cases, I think uh, these people are, are evil and they are actively rejecting God. Uh, but uh, speaking of these people who are very, very confused, there is this video footage that came out, uh, thanks to Lives of TikTok for sharing this uh, widely, this video footage, which, Taylor, if you could uh, play this for us, it would be very grateful of this man, or this woman, rather. Told me how to check this out. Lonely being a man is. I had closer friendships with random women I met in the bathroom before I transitioned at clubs because of how open women are than I've had in my eight years of transitioning. Because women are just so much more vulnerable and deep than men. But to have known, and I think a lot of trans men feel this, is we knew what depth felt like before we transitioned. We knew what it felt like to like have people want to hug us. And to have people want to talk to us. And to have a community. And then you transition and you're just a guy walking down the street that people cross the street so that they're not near you. And friendships are so much harder to build. And people are colder. What's hard is none of this invalidates how real and raw women and people who are in marginalized groups feel about cis white men. So the reason why I think that this is a, a really important video is because this woman who has attempted to become a man, and if you could see the video footage of it, the this woman looks actually very much like a man he she has facial hair she has clearly done a lot of work to make herself look feminine uh, masculine and yet 
she can never be a man. Now, Matt Walsh put out a great tweet about this. He said, this is actually a very powerful video. A woman tries to become a man, but then discovers the profound isolation that many men in modern society experience. But because she's really a woman and therefore more relational and empathetic by nature, she is not equipped to cope with the loneliness. Yet she's stuck in this pseudo-male identity, unable to recapture the femininity that she destroyed. Truly a tragic tale, but so much is revealed about our culture, none of it good. People transition because they hate themselves and have created in their minds a utopian fantasy of the opposite sex. But after quote-unquote transition, they find that all of the parts of themselves they hated are still with them. The life as the opposite sex is not nearly the paradise they thought it would be. They are stuck with the worst of all worlds. Now, this is very, very profound because what we don't realize, what these people do not realize is that men and women are different. We suffer from different sufferings, from different crosses, and that's okay because we live in a valley of tears. Life here on earth is suffering. Our Lord promised us it would be suffering. And what's the answer? The answer isn't to destroy our lives. The answer is to take up our cross and carry it. And we cannot do so by rejecting our cross and attempting to take on someone else's cross. This woman had many crosses. Every woman has a cross. Women have, they tend towards other crosses. Women tend towards certain sins. Women tend towards certain temptations, and men tend to other ones. They are different. One's not harder than another. They're different. I can never even express what a women's temptation is like. I can express what women's struggles are like. I can know them externally. I can know them intellectually, but I don't know what it's like to experience them. And so it is the other direction. And so I can't say that it's harder to be a man or it's harder to be a woman. But what we do know is that God has equipped us to deal with our crosses. So if we reject our cross, cast it to the floor and say, I want his cross. We can't do it because that's not our cross. Our Lord, the great carpenter has crafted for us the perfect cross has crafted for us a cross that we can bear, that only we can bear with his help. And yet, many times we say, I do not want my cross. That person's cross looks way more attractive. And when we try it on, we realize that maybe God knows what he's talking about. Maybe God knows what he's doing. And this whole situation reminded me of C.S. Lewis's abolition of man. And man, C.S. Lewis had no idea what he was talking about when he said the abolition of man. He did not realize that by the abolition of man, he literally was referring to the destruction of masculinity. And in this, we're talking about, because this man, this woman who identifies as a man, is talking about the loneliness of being a man, of the tears of being a man. But what she does not understand is that to be a man requires control. It requires to be in control of yourself. This is why in all societies, there was always a ritual from a boy coming, becoming a man. Why is that? The reason is because men have to control their emotions. They have to control 
who they are and direct it towards a good. They have to direct aggression, their strength, their power towards a positive cause. For if left unfettered, what do we get? Well, look around. Look around at all the fatherless homes. Look around at all the men who do not have direction. What happens? Destruction, chaos, riots. These are the things that happen because we have abolished manhood. And so now we just have overgrown boys. We have boys that are in control of a grown man's body. And what does that result in? That results not in flourishing, not in construction, but only in destruction. And so, yes, it's okay for men to have emotions. Men have emotions. And yes, it's okay if many people say, oh, men should uh, never cry. Well, in certain circumstances, it's okay for men to cry. If your loved one dies, that is a perfectly reasonable time to cry. But men should be in control of their emotions. They should be able to direct their emotions in the way they desire to. They should be able to have their will and direct their will towards the proper end. And let me just read to you the end of the first chapter of the Abolition of Man, where he talks about men without chess. He says, and all the time, this is the tragic comedy of our situation. We to continue to clamor for those very qualities that we are rending impossible. You can hardly open a periodical without coming across the statement that what our civilization needs is more drive or dynamism or self-sacrifice or creativity. In a sort of ghastly simplicity, we remove the organ and demand the function. We make men without chest and expect them virtue and enterprise. We laugh at honor and are shocked to find traitors in our midst. We castrate and bid the gildings be fruitful. What a prophet C.S. Lewis was, and he didn't even know it. More coming up next on Catholic Drive Time. Speaking of perverted men, coming up next. Hello, this is Steve Gleason with your one-minute tool for Catholic evangelism. Here's the question if you're a non-Catholic friend. Was the Catholic Church in existence as far back as the first three centuries? Well, here's your three best friendship tools for Catholic evangelism. Number one, baseball. In September 1845, the New York Knickerbocker Baseball Club was formally established and called baseball. Rules were set, included a diamond-shaped infield, foul lines, and the three-strike rule. But seven years before that, in 1775, that game was already being played on schoolyards, well before it was ever called baseball. Secondly, the Apostolic Father such as Tertullian, Clement, St. Ignatius, all wrote before 215 A.D. about the authority of the local bishop. And they used the name, the Catholic Church, which already had the liturgy, the Eucharist, the readings, the relics, a hierarchy, and jurisdiction. And thirdly, my take. To fishermen, a dolphin was just a big fish until they were termed dolphins. But they were always dolphins. And baseball was baseball well before it was termed baseball. And you will love this. The early church was the Catholic Church well before Constantine the Great, the Nicene Creed, and your church history book. I don't know why I turned on my radio because I've kept my radio off for years. And once I turned it on, I was absolutely hooked. I love the shows with the Catholic apologists. I love the shows with the sort of day-to-day psychologist, Greg and Lisa Popchek. I love hearing not just of other people's problems who call in, but I love getting the Catholic take on how to deal with day-to-day reality. The Guadalupe Radio Network, radio for your soul. Welcome back to the Catholic Drive Time Show. Today is Monday, May 12, 2023, in the year of our Lord, and these are your headlines for this morning. LifeSite News is reporting Cardinal Dolan condemns Dodgers honoring drag nuns. 
This isn't some benevolent humorous group, he says. These are the ones that threaten to desecrate the Holy Eucharist, the New York Cardinal said of the Sisters of Perpetual Indulgence. The comments came in this week's episode of Conversation with Cardinal Dolan, in which he discussed the scandal and outrage of the upcoming event with Matthew Hennessy, deputy co- co- op-ed editor for the Wall Street Journal. After Hennessy's recent op-ed, these aren't Tommy Lasorda's Dodgers. The Guardian newspaper out of the UK is reporting a Catholic mass that was held that was to be held yesterday in Western Pennsylvania in solidarity with LGBTQ Catholics was canceled after flyers for the service switched the designation to a pride mass. The cancellation of the of yesterday's mass at Duquesne University in Pittsburgh came at the request of the diocese after protesting emails and calls. While the exact nature of the protest messages is unclear, they come at a time when major brands like Target, Bud Light, and Starbucks have faced right-wing backlash for using the Pride labeling. This event was billed as a Pride Mass, organized to coincide with Pride Month, an annual, annual secular observance that supports members of the LGBTQ community on every level, including lifestyle and behavior, which the church cannot endorse, uh, Bishop Zupik of Pittsburgh said in a letter to priests, deacons, and seminarians. And finally, Catholic News Agency is reporting a 24-year-old Catholic Frenchman named Henri went viral Thursday as the backpack hero after he stopped a potentially deadly knife attack at a playground in southeastern France by chasing away the attacker with a backpack. French newspaper 20 Minutes reported on, on Henri's heroic response to the shocking attack. The perpetrator, only partially identified by French authorities as Abdelmasi H., is a 31-year-old refu- Syrian refugee. On June 8th, he unleashed a sudden stabbing attack on children and adults at a playground in the town of Anassi. Two adults, men over 70 and four children, all three years old and younger, were seriously injured and later hospitalized due to the attack. I am Tito Edwards, and these are today's headlines through a Catholic lens. Thank you, Tito, for keeping us up to date. And joining us in just one moment is Mr. Michael Whitcraft with the American Defense for Tradition, Family, and Property. He heads up the seat there in Los Angeles in the Orange County area. And, you know, it's very interesting to me because the the situation over, I can't imagine being uh, trying to be a counter-revolutionary uh, over in the California area, a place where it seems like there's nothing but decadence. But praise be to God, it's good that we have some people out there fighting the good fight. But joining us right now is Mr. Michael Whitcraft. Uh, good morning to you, Mr. Michael. Uh, can you hear me? Yes, I can. Good morning. How are you doing, Adrian? Uh, praise be to God. It's good to be here. You know, it's very interesting. Before we uh, came over to to the segment, we were talking about the situation of this this woman who as identifies as a man who is is weeping over the situation, saying, you know, I've been living as a man for eight years, and I didn't realize how lonely it was to be a man and how difficult it is to relate to other men and to have this kind of emotional connection, this lack of emotion there is amongst men. They're very cold, and it's very telling uh, how men and women do not understand each other and how women can never be a man. And this comes on the heels of we're talking about the situation with these these drag queens, these men who try to be transvestites and dress like women, uh, and especially in this particular case, they 
perverting even further, become blasphemers on top of everything and dressing as nuns. Uh, before we jump into the situation, what are your thoughts about the situation among um, among men in regards to men controlling their emotions, uh, men weeping, men crying, that, that kind of thing? Well, I mean, obviously, um, everyone has emotions and everyone shows them to one degree or another. But, of course, there is a, a profound difference in the way uh, men externalize their emotions and, and women do. Um, emotions are very important to women's thought process. I think men tend to be uh, less emotional in their thinking. Uh, it's something that very much aids women in childcare and, and uh, you know, comforting people, things of that nature. The fact that they are able to uh, emotionally think so, so, you know, that their emotions are able to inform their thought process as much as it does. But, but you know, it's one of a thousand differences between men and women that's really unbridgeable. You're never going to, you're never going to change that. And, and, um, yeah. you know, it's kind of surprising that, that this, you said it was a, uh, a woman who's trying to transition to become a man is even admitting that because it's something that, um, obviously is true, but something that they try to hide so, so much. Yeah, it was kind of funny because uh, whenever I got out, the the this this woman came out and was like, "No, no, the people are taking this in the wrong direction. I don't regret my transition at all. I don't regret it at all." And I'm like, "You just uh, put out this massive video about how you are just suffering so much being trying to be a man." And it's like, "Yeah, because you were not oh. made to be that." And they're the ones that ultimately do suffer. You know, they think that that people that are trying to stop this horrendous thing from taking place People point their finger at them saying that they're the mean guys. Well, quite the contrary. You know, they're the ones that care enough to, to try to help even these people that, that you know, are undergoing these terrible procedures and, and whatnot. This absolute worst thing for them is to undergo a procedure. There was a new study that was done. I don't know if, um, if you've spoken about it on your show, but long-term... Uh, short term and long term, those who transition and and undergo the uh, whether it's hormone tra uh, treatment or surgeries, end up far more depressed. Mm. Uh, the suicide rate amongst those who transition is, uh, I've heard numbers as high as sixty percent. Yeah, you know, it's uh, much worse than those who do not undergo procedures and and whatnot. It's interesting you so bring that up. So charity is obviously in this case. I'm sorry. No, it's interesting you bring that up because the uh, the stats that I saw on the suicide rate say that the rates of suicide among transitioners, even after surgery, are greater than that of the Jews during the Holocaust and greater than that of slaves and, uh, and in, uh, wow. cl in colonial America. And you're like, okay, so you're saying that they, it's because of bullying. Then why on earth do, are you saying that trans individuals in America are bullied more than Jews in the Holocaust or slaves, <laughs> like that's that's absurd. Yeah. It's an absurd statement. Yeah, that's a, those are powerful statistics you're quoting there, and it really gives a, a you know a good picture of what's really going on. Absolutely. So Absolutely. going over to the story about the L.A. Dodgers, so you're having this whole idea. We're in this month of June dedicated to the Sacred Heart. We may call this a month of humility because our Lord and His most sacred heart comes in utter humility and so yet what does the uh, the the lgbt mob do they call it pride so tell me what's going on in la 
Well, in Los Angeles, the Dodgers have invited a um, in organization, let's call it. Uh, it's really a hate group called the Sisters of Perpetual Indulgence. And you can tell even the, uh, the name of the organization in and of itself is blasphemous. But it's a group of homosexual men who have their whole purpose, their whole reason for existence is to mock the Catholic faith and to do so in very sexually explicit, blasphemous ways. Um, they invited this group as one of the elements of their Pride Night, June 16th, which in fact is the feast of the Sacred Heart. Uh, they're having them to the, the baseball game on, on Pride Night, June 16th, to give them a Citizens Hero Award, Disgusting. which obviously is a direct, direct assault on, on the faith. To call these people heroes is absolutely ridiculous i mean it's it's absurd no yeah absolutely it's really bad especially considering you know it's just it's bad enough whenever we we look in holy scripture and it tells us very clearly uh, men should not wear the clothing of women women should not wear the clothing of men and what do we see with these transvestites they're wearing the clothing of women and to had insult to injury which makes them the a like you said a catholic hate group which I thought we were against hate, Mr. Whitcraft. I thought, oh, hate speech. What happened to hate speech, Mr. Whitcraft? I guess it's okay when it's against Catholics, no? Always a one-way street. Always a one-way street. And, um, you know, you see that that very, very clearly. Um, one of the things that's incredible uh, I wanted to bring up, because this controversy has been really uh, affecting all of California, all of the country, um, but the same group, uh, last week was honored in the Capitol in Sacramento. Uh, the Congress honored uh, one member of this group and gave her some kind uh, I'm sorry, excuse me, gave him some kind of award. Uh, they were invited there by uh, State Senator Scott Weiner, who is a homosexual activist who's active there. But one thing that really caught my eye was he was being interviewed about the event and about the controversy surrounding it, because thanks be to God, the Republican uh, members of the state house, or the state Congress in California, walked out mm. before the award was given. So there was a very good, healthy reaction, and they walked out and, and joined a prayer rally of hundreds of people outside. Wow. But this... Praise be to yes, God. Yes, I have to hold off right there. Yeah. When we come back, I'm going to Please. let you finish this story because this is uh, yes. both really concerning but also very encouraging. So we'll repeat that when we get back. Hello, this is Steve Gleason with your one-minute tool for Catholic evangelism. Here's the question for your non-Catholic friend. Could there be just one word that truly sets the Catholic Church apart from all other churches? Yes, there is. Well, here's your three best friendship tools for Catholic evangelism. That word is retain. How can one word bring such distinction? Well, understanding that retain means to hold back or to keep. Jesus tells the apostles, if you retain the sins of any, they are retained. Secondly, so what does that world say about sin? The therapist says, forgive yourself. New Agers say it's just a state of mind. And the evangelical says, just tell Jesus no matter how grave the sin, he'll forgive you directly. And finally, the word retain. We all know that non-Catholics don't go to a pastor to confess grave sins. Why? Because in Protestant thinking, you get to leapfrog humans and go directly to Jesus. And guys, let's don't hide under the newest term, be accountable. Hey, we all will be accountable up to the point that it hurts. Is embarrassing or is criminal? My priest can say, Steve, your sin's not forgiven. Does your pastor? I think not. Why? Have you ever heard backlash, decreasing church attendance, and loss of revenue? 
Hey, Donnie, what two important things do we receive when we go to Mass? Scripture and the Eucharist. Great job. You're so smart. As parents, we're the primary educators of our Catholic faith to our children. And if you don't know your Catholic faith as well as you should, that's okay. Just tune in daily to the Guadalupe Radio Network by logging online to grnonline.com. The Guadalupe Radio Network. Listen, learn, love, and pass it on. Welcome back to Catholic Drive Time. This is your host, Adrian Fonseca. It's so good to be on with you today. Praise be to God. You know, it's really funny. We're, we're talking with Mr. Michael Whitcraft with the American Defense for Tradition, Family, and Property, TFP. We're talking about the situation in California, specifically the L.A. Dodgers, and but also uh, the Sacramento, Sacramento Congress invited these transvestites of perpetual indulgence to come and speak and be honored there. And we're going to finish telling the situation there, but uh, it's kind of funny. I, I came across uh, someone shared this uh, video of Joe Biden talking about his his achievements with the uh, with the LGBT community, and he coined the term by mistake. Uh, he says uh, the transgender Americans, and I'm like, oh, that's uh, that's a great phrase, Mr. President. The transgender awesome. Americans, we we love to see it. Uh, but continue on, Mr. Wickraft. Okay, so they uh, they what was very very encouraging, as we were mentioning, was the fact that the Republican lawmakers had sent a letter to the head of the, the, the Congress asking that the award not be given. And so to reject that, when they, they were not listened to, when it didn't, um, uh, were, their request was not heeded, they stood up and they walked out of the room when, when the uh, announcement was made that the award was going to be given. So they were not present for the award. Uh, and they joined a prayer session or i'm sorry a prayer protest a prayer of reparation outside of the congress on capitol at the capitol where hundreds of people were gathered in prayer of reparation for what was taking place what's interesting also is reports say that the democrats that remain there stood up and gave a standing ovation ovation for the award and clapped louder than they had at any other point during the the celebration so you see a very strong dichotomy there uh that's forming but what one thing i wanted to mention we were talking about transgester and and all of this thing of pretending to be this or that scott weiner the one who invited uh this individual complained about what the republicans do and this is a direct quote he said i think my republican colleagues are caricaturing her <laughs> and i just find that kind of curious because it's a group whose existence is caricaturing Catholic nuns, and we're the ones being accused of making a caricature. Uh, it just—it's—it shows how ridiculous the whole argumentation is in, in the situation. It's—it <laughs> is—it's it's very like, amusing. The the whole yeah. the whole world view is ups, utterly absurd. Uh, but you know, it's interesting because L.A. We kind of have this perception of of California in general from. Uh, being in Texas and just anywhere in the South, you kind of see California as completely lost. Uh, but it's encouraging to see that there is movement against it. But when we look at the protest that's happening this coming Friday in regards to this situation, it's led by the Bishop of Tyler, Texas, is flying in to lead this situation. And there are people flying in from all over the place to support this. So what is the kind of... um the boots on the ground feeling among Californians about the situation. 
Well, it's, it's hard to say, you know, a lot of people talk about California as a lost state, as you said, and they're not entirely wrong, but I think in my work, you know, I've worked with, with Catholics all over the country for the past 20 some odd years. And I think you find the strongest Catholics in the more, most liberal areas. It's, uh, you know, you have difficulty, but if you talk about Catholics that are willing to resist, that are willing to, to do something for their faith, uh, people that have been tested in fire throughout years and years and years, you find them in the most liberal areas. And I think you're seeing that here because there's been an enormous reaction. Um, people are are really, really fed up with with all of this nonsense, and they're ready to protest against it. They're ready to do something. Um, we're expecting a very large crowd. Uh, speaking with Jesse Romero, who's one of the main protest uh, protest coordinators, my organization, TFP, we are co-sponsors of the event. He's one of the main sponsors, uh, Jesse Romero, and also Catholics for Catholics. Um, but if you, um, it, they're expecting a crowd of up to a thousand people. Wow. So, and I think it's very possible we could see those types of numbers. You know, it's interesting. Uh, I mean, I think this is very encouraging. I'm actually thinking about taking a trip out there on Friday myself to to join y'all. I know some of the TFP members from Houston will be flying over there as well. But, you know, it's interesting you mentioned, you say that you find the strongest Catholics in California because you see that there are uh, persecution, and so they kind of have to gird themselves. And it's interesting you say that because I was just reading um, just at the at the begin- top of the hour, at top of the show, about uh, Cornelius Salopide. He was making a commentary on the Beatitudes, and he quotes the third general of the Jesuits. He said the third general of the Jesuits is want to say that there are three things which preserve the society of Jesus. One, the study of prayer. Two, the union of members among themselves. And three, persecution he says and he gives the reasons he says prayer binds us closely to god concord unites the brethren with one another and persecution separates us from the world and compels us to act with prudence that our persecutors may have no handle against us uh, what are your thoughts about that mr Whitcraft? that's very very beautiful very very beautiful and i couldn't agree more i absolutely couldn't agree more um one thing that's very painful for us Catholics, as you see, a lot of times the persecution comes in the most unexpected places, um, many times from our fellow Catholics. And I, I think that's what's what's hardest to endure. But I think it's also what purifies us most when you're talking about persecution and, and difficulties along these lines. I got it. Um, oh, go ahead. Go ahead. No, please. I have a question for you uh, on your march towards Dodger Stadium that what has been the response among the, the Catholics in Los Angeles in regards to the, the, the archdiocese itself um, not wanting to participate in this march and, and, and even, sh- I believe, shutting the doors of the Cathedral of the Angels in L.A.? Yeah, I, I was kind of leading into that. I was kind of, uh, kind of hesitant to go directly into it because I, um, I don't like to bishop bash. I don't like to... Um, you know, rail against our, our shepherds. I think our people have this idea that the clergy and the, the bishops are kind of a nice thing to have or an accessory to have. Uh, in fact, they are essential to have. Um, but on this issue, you know, that being said, that I don't like to bishop bash, 
we were really, really thrown under the bus by, bus by the diocese. Uh, in the very beginning, Archbishop uh, Gomez sent out a, a message saying that Catholics have to stand up, they have to do something. Um, so the coordinators of the protest contacted him. They, they put out a huge effort. They weren't able to get through to him. And then just on June 9th, this message went out to the clergy. Uh, this is addressed to the priests and deacons of the San Fernando Pastoral Region. And I quote, uh, this actually was uh, an auxiliary bishop put this statement out of the name of the diocese, Bishop Gerald Wilkerson's. I quote, I'm aware that some groups are planning various kinds of protests regarding the Dodgers Pride Night. Please note that none of these has the backing or approval of the Los Angeles Archdiocese. Don't you so there you have it. Uh, we have a, a bishop flying in, uh, a bishop from Tyler, Texas, Bishop Strickland, to lead the protest. Uh, in reality, he has to fly coast to coast because he's tied up in Maryland just preceding the protest. So he's flying coast to coast, fitting this into his busy schedule to come and take a stand. And our own shepherds here are not even allowing us to begin our, our prayer vigil on the grounds of the cathedral. What it's about very... the clergy? What about the clergy? Are they like a ban from attending? Are they going to attend? Are they what's what's the sense in the, the clergy? Are they promoting it? The uh, I think you've got a, a mixed bag there. Obviously, there are many members of the clergy who are are promoting, and I'm sure there'll be several members there. The notice right here doesn't say anything about them being prohibited from attending. Uh, it just says that, you know, we have to uh, hide in our churches and pray rather than resisting this evil. Um, so I think it's free. I, I, I don't know. I can't speak for what's going on internally, but as far as this message, I believe the hmm. clergy is free to attend, but it's it's not a sponsored event. By you know, the, okay, by that's very interesting to me because it's it is the same thing happens all the time, and we we're not surprised by this anymore. This is it, we get thrown on the bus constantly when it comes to these kind of things, but it's it's very annoying because this happens all the time where. The bishops will come out and say things like, well, you know, the temporal sphere belongs to the lady. We need to go out there. We need to take back the land. We need to do the right thing. We need to stand up for Christ. And then as soon as you try to actually do it, they say, oh, well, we didn't mean, like, actually do it. We meant, like, talk about it inside the church, uh, but not actually do anything. That, that just infuriates me to no end, Mr. Whitcraft. Uh, so tell me, how do we change this sentiment amongst uh, the laity, but also the clergy as well? Yeah, I mean, I think we, uh, we have to pray a lot. Uh, one metaphor that I, I think really shows this that our founder used to use in situations like this was he said, obviously, we're, we're the flock of Christ. The bishops, you know, are, are our shepherds. And we're being assaulted by ravenous wolves. And not only do the shepherds not protect us, and I'm not, I'm not making a blanket statement. Certain shepherds don't protect us. But you get the feeling at a certain point that they leave us to the wolves. And when we try to resist, they take their crozier, which is supposed to be used to defend the sheep, and they beat us, the sheep, with the crozier. And, and I think it's a very, uh, very telling metaphor. I think it's something that really um, illustrates how we feel as the sheep, because we want to be led. Well, we want to be led. We're not. I'm sorry. No. Go ahead. Yeah, we want to be led. We, we don't want to be revolted. We, we're waiting to be led and we need to be led. 
we're the learning church. They're the teaching church. And when we receive that kind of treatment, when all we're trying to do is be faithful to them, it's, it's very, very hard to, to swallow. Absolutely. Uh, as far as changing that situation, uh, we need to pray. We need to support our good clergy uh, as much as we can. People like Bishop Strickland, who are putting out the effort to really lead their flock. And, you know, you see whenever the, the shepherds get involved, the number of lady that, lady that involved goes up by a factor of four. When they take their leadership position seriously, everything falls into place. Absolutely. Absolutely. It's, it's, that's so important. And I've noticed this too. Whenever a bishop shows up, the flock follow. It's our natural tendency, and we want our shepherds to lead. And so uh, during this month, I want to encourage people, uh, make penance and sacrifices for your bishop, that he be a true shepherd, because with true shepherds, everything changes. With a real leader, everything changes. Now, Mr. Whitcraft, the last couple seconds we have here, uh, tell us about the details of this. How can someone support it or help out or attend? Well, uh, in order to attend the, the rally, uh, we had to change minutes uh, plans last minute because of this uh, controversy with the, with the archdiocese. Um, so we're going to meet at Dodger Stadium in parking lot 13 at 3 p.m. on Friday. And from there, we'll go and, and there'll be a, a prayer rally. I believe the event will go until 7 o'clock, which is when the baseball game starts. So everybody who's attending will already be inside. Perfect. And uh, we won't have any. Uh, if people want to contact you, uh, how would they do so? Uh, they can contact me uh, through email. Uh, my email address is mwhitcraft. That's M-W-H-I-T-C-R-A-F-T-E at gmail.com. Whitcraft at gmail.com. That's going to do it. We'll be back with more after this. I would always hear from uh, different people at non-Catholic churches that Catholics were going to hell or that they really didn't know who the Lord was. The Catholic church is not all what people say it is. I mean, it's completely different. There's so many stereotypes. It's very possible to know the Lord and it's very possible to have a relationship with God in the Catholic church. I believe I was born into the Catholic church and that's where I belong. If you've been away from the Catholic church, visit catholicscomehome.org. Hello, this is Steve Gleason with your one-minute tool for Catholic evangelism. Here's the question for your non-Catholic friend. You know what are the two most common questions after attending a non-Catholic church service? Answer, how is the preaching and how is the worship? Well, here's your three best friendship tools for Catholic evangelism. Number one, evaluation of worship? That's odd. Who's evaluating worship? Well, here's what really is meant by that. How is the music, the singing, and the audible response of the people? And if that were important, wouldn't that be our Lord's decision anyway? Secondly, Catholic teaching. Worship is fundamentally not tied to music and song, though it can be supported by music and song. The 2,000-year history of Catholic worship is primarily about the representing of Jesus' unbloody, timeless sacrifice on every Catholic altar. It is that moment when the bread and wine are changed into Jesus' own body and blood. We then participate in that worship by bringing our own sacrifice of self, whether sorrow or praise. And thirdly, my take. The only evaluation that should be considered after a church or a mass is the evaluation of heart and actions. That is, did we grow in obedience to the royal law of love? Help us, Father. I don't know why I turned on my radio because I've kept my radio off for years. And once I turned it on, I was absolutely hooked. I love the shows with a Catholic apologist. I love the shows with the sort of day-to-day psychologist, Greg and Lisa Popchek. I love hearing not just of other people's problems who call in, but I love getting the Catholic take 
on how to deal with day-to-day reality. The Guadalupe Radio Network, radio for your soul. Spreading the splendor of truth, this is the Guadalupe Radio Network, radio for your soul. Hi, I'm Vilma from St. Thomas More Parish. You're listening to AM 1430, KSHJ Houston, part of the Guadalupe Radio Network, radio for your soul. Welcome back to the Catholic Drive Time Show. This is your host, Adrian Fonseca. It's so good to be on with you today. Praise be to God. You know, I forgot. There's a couple things that I meant to bring up during the last hour, and I forgot to bring it up. I made a note to myself. I put it in multiple places. And what did I do? I forgot anyway. So what's the point of notes? So the what I meant, forgot to bring up is the fact that tomorrow morning, we're starting our summer share so our 2023 Summer share begins tomorrow. And we are very grateful for all of our benefactors. I pray personally, as, a, as the GRN, we pray every day for our benefactors. But personally, I pray for our benefactors every single day and my daily rosaries. And so I just wanted to throw that out there. Every single day, I'm praying for you. And, you know, we here at the GRN, there's a lot that we do. And we do things for the salvation of souls. Our motto is a radio for your soul. And I think that's, that's real. That's a reality. It's not just a tagline. It's not just a thing we say. It's, at the end of the day, nothing matters if souls are lost. Souls have to be saved. And there's many places where you will go, you will hear people say nice things, and, and you may not ever get the gospel message whole and undefiled. And you'll never hear it applied to the culture and to the politics and to what we have going on around us in our day-to-day life. And that's what we strive to do here at the GRN. That's what we strive to do here at the Catholic Drive Time team. And so I'm just going to just throw that out there. We're not begging for money yet, but tomorrow we'll be asking for donations uh, beginning at the 7 o'clock hour. So this time tomorrow, uh, we're going to preempt the CDT show. And we're going to have the show is going to air from 6 to 7 a.m. Central. And then we're going to go off air, and then we're going to begin share starting at 7 a.m. Central. And then Toya Hall will be jumping on with a couple other people throughout the week. Uh, it will be Dave Palmer, Cecil Anderson, and they're going to be coming on throughout the week at 7 o'clock to 8 o'clock hour. And then from 9 to 10, the CDT team will be back on air and will be asking for your generous donation. So in your charity, please be generous. We do rely on your donations and we use your donor dollars in the best way we possibly can. We want to spread the word of the, of the gospel, and we want to bring souls to the kingdom of heaven. And we do this with your help. You become an apostolate, an apostle. You become an evangelizer. You help us spread the message, and we use the money. Uh, right now, we're, I don't know if I'm allowed to even say this, but uh, we're currently in the process of, of obtaining more radio stations so we can broadcast EW10 content and GRN content across more areas. And we are currently in the process of making a major upgrade to our digital uh, platforms so we can reach more people on the digital sphere. And that's where many of the, especially the young people, uh, congregate. Um, And this is something that we find to be very, very important. So I just wanted to throw that out there. 
as something that to keep in mind for the coming rest of the week. Uh, and to remind you that uh, the 7 o'clock hour the rest of the week is going to be a little bit different. So just throwing that out there. And I wanted to keep you all informed about what's going on here at the GRN. As our listeners and donors, uh, I feel you are entitled to know uh, what is going on at the GRN. Uh, but to, to move back onto uh, the regularly scheduled topic that I want to cover is this. Uh, the witness of religious habits in cassocks. The devil hates the religious habits and the cassock. This was an article over in Crisis Magazine by Patrick O'Hearn. And I think this was incredibly interesting to me because... And the the kind of the the whole article uh, wasn't my favorite article, to be honest, but the concept of the article and parts of the article I thought were very interesting because we see the habit being something that is very, very profound. It's something that is an outward sign of a promise to God, something that is, is something that you cannot take away. It's something that's very beautiful and has been smashed in recent times. Uh, Tito, do you remember the first time that you saw a religious wearing their habits or a priest wearing a cassock? Yeah, that was when I was little, and uh, I didn't know what what it was when I first saw it, but it just impressed upon me uh, something uh, important, something special. I really wasn't too certain what it was about. It it was definitely a different impression than I saw when I saw uh, police officers or firemen or or men in in, uh, in army military uniforms. So uh, even before I knew what was going on, uh, that just brought something special to my mind as to the special char- to the special charism that that person was carrying. So yeah, that 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 was the first. I'm going deep back when I was four years <laughs> old, and that's oh wow, yeah, that early, that early. Yeah, yeah. Well, it's interesting that you you say that about you mentioned like the uniform, like a military uniform, because that's really what it is, right? It's it's this uniform that shows that you are a member of the church militant. And it was interesting. This Saturday, this last Saturday, I was eating with a friend of mine. I won't mention his name because I'm not sure if he would like me to mention this. But we were having lunch, and he is a is a religious brother, and we were chatting, and he tells me how. He was telling, he was talking to some of the older members of his community and how they remember one day they were just, they were children at church and they were just going to the parochial school. They're going to Catholic school and they have, they go for these religious sisters that are teaching the classes. They're wearing their full habits with the, the, and you, you think a full habit. And I mean, like you go watch those old movies where the, the you can't see any of their hair, you can't see any of their skin, the habits go all the way down to the floor, and those kind of habits, the the OG habits, because they kind of, even the ones that are more conservative nowadays are a little bit more simplified. And they said that one day they show up the next day at school and all the sisters have taken off their habits. Oh. They're wearing pantsuits, that they come in wearing pantsuits, and they take out the altar rails. They start destroying the altar and building a standing altar. They said the faith in the parish just is smashed. They said that the kids went home that day and they wept. They started crying. They went home and started to cry. What kind of instability does that show? And what does that show us? It shows us the beauty of the habit, the beauty of the cassock. Because it shows that this person is not like us. They're different. They're making vows of poverty, chastity, and obedience. 
they're dedicating their life to something greater. And this is something that we have lost, something that we have not. And that's the other problem. The other problem is that it hasn't been lost. It was cast off. It would be one thing if it was lost, right? If it would be, we dropped it and we're like, oh, I can't find it. I lost my habit. Uh, no, we, we cast it away. We rejected the habit. But now we're seeing a resurgence. We're realizing that this is something that's coming back. And the communities that retain the habit, the communities that encourage the cassock, those communities, those dioceses are flourishing. They are flourishing with vocations. But the communities that are filled with people who reject their religious patrimony, those are the ones that are dying off. The communities are dying away. They are starting to sell off property. Many of the communities are not accepting vocations anymore because their members are so old that by the time the new members would make vows, they'd all be dead. <laughs> and this is a very tragic situation. Yeah. Seeing that it should bring tears to our eyes. It was, it broke my heart when I was reading this uh, message from Father Thomas Crean, who mentioned how the last Dominican nun of cloistered Dominican nuns, I believe it was in England, died, and now there are no more. This community that's been around for 500 years, the community died. Why? Because they abandoned their patrimony. They abandoned what God has set aside. What God has set aside, let no man put asunder. That regards to marriage, right? That's what it's in context of. But what is religious life but a marriage, a mystical marriage with God? And yet, we say no. It'd be like if a husband took his ring off and decided, you know what? I don't want to dress as a spouse. I don't want to be a father and a husband anymore. Instead of doing that, we should embrace our vocation in life. I know. that That's so well said, Adrian. I remember a story I read when I was a huge Star Wars fan back uh, the in 77, when the movie came out, there's this actor, Alec Guinness, who played the role of Obi-Wan Kenobi, where he wears what looks like to be a long uh, a overcoat with a hood on top, and it was brown, and his interior garment was white. He told, And he is an agnostic-slash-atheist English actor, Shakespearean-trained, uh, and he remember when he was filming the movie Star Wars, he, uh, a portion of it was in Italy, and at night, he walked back to his trailer from the from the scene and uh he was wearing his habit and it was just when the sun was setting down a little boy walked up to him grabbed his hand and just started pattering in italian and and for about five minutes he the little boy was just holding his hand and then he said bye in italian because he that's what alec guinness understood he was so moved by the innocence and the purity of the child trusting a priest, the, the boy, little boy mistaking him for a priest, that it changed him, and he convert, eventually he converted to the Catholic faith because wow. of that impact. Wow. You know, you know, it's interesting you say that. It's interesting you say that. That's, that's, that's wow. That's amazing. Because the habit, the word habit, it, what does it say? It's, it's repeating something. It's doing something over and over again, a virtue. It's doing the virtuous thing. Uh, vice is is habituating bad things. A virtue is habituating good things. And so whenever you say you put on the habit, 
you are putting on the virtues. You are putting on these virtues. And those things exude out. So even if the internal man, the internal man who is clothed by the habit, by the virtues, if you're clothed by it, the internal man disappears. He vanishes. And you disappear into what? Into something that is better than you. And it's something that is greater than you. And you become an outward sign to other people of something beyond yourself. Because you have to realize that you're not worthy. And it was interesting. When I was in the novitiate with the Dominicans and I was wearing a Dominican habit, I was told by a, a, a professed brother how he was walking around campus one day. And this lady runs up to him and says, you're one of Dominic's boys. She didn't, she didn't remember to call them the Dominicans. She didn't call them the order of preachers. She said, you're one of Dominic's boys. And he was like, that was a moment where that impacted him because he realized it's not he who's there anymore. It wasn't me, brother Fulton there anymore. It was St. Dominic that they see when they see me in my habit. They didn't see me. They saw St. Dominic. And that, what does that do for a man that, that calls a man to a higher life? It says, you need to be called beyond yourself because being you is not good enough. You are called not to mediocrity. You are called to greatness. You are called to be a saint. You are not called to just be a saint, but you're called to be a great saint, a great saint like St. Dominic, like St. Francis, like St. Benedict, like the holy founders of these orders. And whenever you go out in the public and they see you in those habits, you have such a high calling because you become a representative. You are now a son of the order. And this is a tragic thing when we see priests and religious cast aside their patrimony and reject their founders to say what? To say what? To say, look at me instead? No, we should point instead to these holy founders because they are the key to the salvation of souls. They are the experts on the salvation of souls. They're the experts on evangelization. If we want to be true evangelists, we should not create our new evangelization, something new that we created ourselves, but instead we should look at the success of those who came before us and try to imitate them. So let's keep that in mind today. Let's keep that in the forefront of our mind as we go in to the rest of the week. Let's put on the habit of Christ and live out his virtues. But that's going to lead us over to the Fear and Trembling Game Show. So if you want to join us in the Fear and Trembling Game Show, make sure to hop on with us. The number to call is 877-757-9424-877-757-9424-877-757-9424. We always take the first caller. And this week, the game show is only one day this week. So Whoever calls in is going to win a prize. 877-757-9424. Call now and you could be our contestant on our only Fear and Trembling game show for this week. And the next week will be regular schedule. But God bless you. God bless you. We'll be right back Fear and Trembling right after this. 
Hello, this is Steve Gleason with your one-minute tool for Catholic evangelism. Here's the question. Should pastors and churches place expectations and obligations on the congregation? Your average non-Catholic evangelical would say no, maybe even no way. It might be said, we do not need written order, discipline, or expectations. Those should derive from personal desire and from the Holy Spirit, not from a church. Or, each Christian's conscience should be sufficient for correction and discipline. Or, the Holy Spirit will personally lead each believer as to what church or to attend and certainly how often they should go. So here's your three best friends tools for Catholic evangelism. Natural law says human society cannot be well-ordered nor prosperous unless it has legitimate authority to preserve its own institution, the Bible. Secondly, the Bible, which says in multiple places such as Hebrews 13, 17, obey them that have the rule over you. And thirdly, the Catholic Church says when we are properly ordered, we will be capable of resisting conformity to the contemporary demands of unhealthy individualism. So obligations, much obliged. I also want to dialogue with all the young people. Catholics are committed to building a society which is truly tolerant and inclusive. Let us treat others with the same passion and compassion with which we want to be treated. Come and see what good things God is waiting for you at CatholicsComeHome.com. Welcome to another round of fear and trembling. The Catholic Trivia Game Show that helps you work out your salvation by the seat of your pants. It's a 50-50 chance and prizes are involved. Avoid the weeping and gnashing of teeth. Call now to take your shot. 877-757-9424. That's 877-757-9424. 877-757-9424. That's the number to call to be part of our game show, Fear and Trembling, where we give out prizes and you could win. And we always take the first caller. So here's the trick for today, though. The trick for today is that we are actually only going to have the Fear and Trembling game show one time this week. That means whoever is going to be on the line today will, in fact, win the prize. It's going to be a CDT prize pack this morning. If you are listening and you're like, hey, what exactly am I listening to here? I don't know what's going on. Well, let me explain it to you. Here I have three Catholic trivia questions. In these Catholic trivia questions, the trick is I'm not going to ask you the question. No, instead, I'm going to ask Tito the questions. He's going to have 15 seconds to give me an answer, and then you're going to have to decide whether or not he is right or whether or not he is wrong, which means... If you just guess, there's a 50-50 chance of you getting the question correct. And every right answer, well, normally goes into the Coffee Cup of Divine Providence to win this week's prize. But today, if you just get one answer right, then you win. Because we only have the game show one time this week. So whoever calls in this week uh, will be our contestant and will win the prize as long as you get at just one question correct. What kind of odds are that? That's amazing odds. (laughs) So joining us right now, we got a caller on the line, is Anne-Marie from Germantown, Maryland. Good morning, Anne-Marie. You got to put his, uh, the mic, the, them on the call. Got to turn their mic on, uh, Taylor. Anne-Marie, can you hear me? I can hear you. There we go. There we go. Now I can hear you, too. Uh, good morning, Anne-Marie. It's good to hear your voice. Good morning. You know I'm going.
going to be calling in all week. Uh, we love to see it. Anne-Marie, for those who don't know, who are not in on the secret, Anne-Marie is an amazing listener of the GRN, and she always calls in donations during share Specifically, she gives a Marian Challenge. Anne-Marie, do you want to tell them what a Marian Challenge is? A Marian Challenge is um, I'm donating money according to a date that Our Lady has appeared. The challenge is for the, the GRN team, and I don't care how they find it, to tell me what I'm referring to by the amount of money I'm donating. Very good. So an example would be if she donates $19.17, then she it's $19.17, and then you would say Our Lady of Fatima, and so things like that. That's an obvious one. So normally she picks ones that are super obscure, and I'm, like, searching the web, <laughs> trying to find them, and I'm like, I don't know. Like, there's, there's three here. Which one is it? And I'm searching for it. Give them it's all, because you know what? Our Lady has not left us alone. Never left us alone. Amen. Okay. Amen. And and our Lord would not leave us here for 2,000 years without prophets. Amen, Emery. Well, since we're going to be uh, getting quiz questions from you the rest of the week, are you ready to uh, play the Catholic Drive Time uh, sh- uh, game show? Man, I'm, my mouth is, like, not working right now. Are you <laughs> yes, ready to play I the Fear and Trembling Game Show? I'm ready. Okay, let's do it. Let's jump into the game show. We're going to ask you questions today, and then you ask us questions the rest of the week. So let's jump in. Question number one, Tito. I'm ready. The question on the board. What is the largest Catholic church in the world? The largest Catholic church in the world. Mm, I'm going to be confused with the one in Constantinople and also the, the relatively new one down in Ghana, but uh, it has to be St. Peter's Basilica. Oh, it's not St. Mary's in Kansas? No, okay. no, but okay. uh, yeah, that's, that's a pretty impressive. Big one. Yeah, very but, impressive. But not as big as St. Peter's Basilica. No, but I, I would say St. Mary's is the largest chapel in the world. Is it? So, okay, here's the next question. St. Peter's Basilica, is that the one in uh, Georgia? Nope, nope, nope. That's the one in Vatican City. Oh, yeah, yeah. St. Peter Basilica, Vatican City. Got the, it. The Enclave in Rome. Got it. All righty, Anne Marie. The question on the board is: What is the largest Catholic church in the world? Well, Tito seems to think it's St. Peter's Basilica in Vatican City. Fifteen seconds on the clock. What say you, Anne Marie? Is he right or is he wrong? Since I've not been in all of them, um, it's hard to say, but I don't think so. You don't think so? You're going to go with no? I'm going to go with no. All right. That's row. Oh, Anne-Marie, that is incorrect. It is incorrect. It, in fact, is true that the largest Catholic church in the world is St. Peter's Basilica in Vatican City. So uh, that's one incorrect. But don't worry, Anne-Marie. You still have two more chances. All you got to do is get one right, and you win this game. So you still have great odds. The odds are looking up for you. Uh, but, yes, the largest Catholic church in the world is St. Peter's Basilica, which I've never been to. I've never been to St. Peter's Basilica. It's on my bucket list. Neither have I. So I'm thinking that, you know, the other people are thinking large, too. So I don't think that, It's worth know. the visit. I got to uh, go. Yeah, um, oh, unless, goodness gracious. Two days at yeah. least. Yeah. All right, let's jump no. into question number two. Anne-Marie, are you ready for question number two? I am. I'm sure you're going to get this one right. I'm sure. I'm looking at the question. I'm like, oh, yeah, this one you're going to get. So question number two, Tito, the question on the board is, 
What are the two highest powers of the soul? Wow, this sounds like a J.R.R. Tolkien novel thing. Um, reading souls and bilocating. Oh, interesting. You're saying the highest powers of the soul are to read souls and to bilocate. Yes, yes. I, that, that's my best guess. Okay. Yeah. Okay. And you're saying everybody can do these. If they practice at it, wow. yes. Okay, so you just got to practice. Yes, yes. Okay, you got to get in the work, got to get in 100 hours, get 1,000 hours in. Yeah, like flying a plane, you can't. Right. Yes. Right, that makes sense. That yeah. makes sense. I, I have heard that once uh, or twice, so usually from people who are outside of a... Uh, Outside on street corners and little booths that say psychics. Anyway, uh, Anne-Marie, 15 seconds on the clock. The question on the board is, what are the two highest powers of the soul? Tito seems to think it's reading souls and bilocating. What say you, Anne-Marie? That sounds like could be, but I, I'm also thinking that those are gifts from God as opposed to something that every soul possesses. So it's really hard for me to say which one is which. So what are you going to go with? Yeah, let's do it. You're going to say no? I'm going to say yes. Are you going to say yes? Are you sure you're going to say yes? I guess I'll say no. <laughs> she said no. She said no. That is correct. Way to go, Anne-Marie. Anne-Marie, wow. that is wonderful. Praise be to God. Do you know the two highest powers of the soul actually are the intellect and the will? The intellect and the will. I've never heard of any of these, so, you know, it's, it's, it's above my pay grade. No problem, no problem. It's you, new to me, too. You got it. Yeah, so the intellect and the will are the powers of the soul, and people mistakenly think that they're powers of the brain, but no, they are powers of the soul, the intellect and the will. So you will have your intellect and your will in heaven uh, whenever you die, and angels have intellect and will because it's not part of the body, it's part of the soul. So there you go. Are right, you ready for question number three, Amory? You've already got... One question right, which means you've already won the prize, uh, but are you ready to play question number three just to see if you can get this one right? I am. Now, i got to say, Emery, I'm looking at this question here. Whew, this might be the hardest question we've ever had on the history of Catholic Drive Time. Are you ready? You've already given me two. <laughs> <laughs> well, this, one, this one takes the cake. This, one, this makes the last two questions Look like a like a, a cakewalk. Why is it called a cake? Anyway, the, before I go on a tangent, uh, question number three, Tito. <laughs> okay. The question of the board is: Where do you sign yourself before the gospel at mass? You sign yourself. I had to do it physically. Uh, the 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 head, the forehead, the lips, and the heart. Interesting. Yeah. Okay. The forehead, the lips, and the heart. Okay. Yeah. That makes. Unless you have a five head. <laughs> All right. Yep. All right. If you say so. All right, Amory. The hardest question on the history of Fear and Trembling Game Show is where do you sign yourself before the gospel at mass? 15 seconds on the clock. Tito seems to think the forehead, the lips, and the heart. What say you, Anne-Marie, from Germantown, Maryland? He nailed it. He nailed it, she says. Correct. Way to go, Anne-Marie. That Good is, job. in fact, correct. You got it right. Uh, yes, in fact. I, I generally do that every day. Good. Praise be. Do you know what the prayer is that is ten, tends to be said when you do that? Uh, our Lord in my heart, in my head, and in my, on my lips. Amen. Amen. Not in that order, but you know. Yes, absolutely. Yeah. So I always say the prayer. May the word of God always be on my mind, 
on my lips and in my heart. But yeah, basically the same thing that you just said. But praise be to God, that is exactly right. You nailed it. You see, you got the hardest question right, but yeah. all the other ones you got, you were like, eh, could could go either way. Could go either way. But very good, Emery. God bless you. God love you. And thank you for being a generous donor to the GRN and for your Marian challenge. We love you being an apostolate, an, not apostolate, an apostle of Our Lady. Yeah, Anne-Marie. Well, I mean, you know, she's been here since the beginning, and she is not leaving here. Never. She'll never abandon here. us. She is a good mother, and she always tells you, like, like what she says, Our Lady Guadalupe, right? Am I well, not you know your mother? I, I am up here less than three miles from the Carmelites. Amen. Less we love them. Miles. We love the Carmelites. A beautiful community. Our Lady at Mount Carmel pray for us i am marie i'm going to put you on hold and make sure you stay on the line so we can get your uh, your address so we can send you the prize today uh, but god bless you god love you and we look forward to having you uh getting to your uh, marian challenges throughout the week all right sounds great absolutely let me put you, i'm putting you on hold and that's going to do it for the radio side of the show today uh today's going to be probably the last and only after show for this week I'm contemplating. I gotta. I'm thinking about maybe doing an after show tomorrow just to like kick off the charathon. But we'll see. We'll see. I'll, I'll think about it. I'm going to contemplate it. We'll see how that goes. And but for today, if you want to join us in the after show, hop on YouTube, Facebook, Rumble, Odyssey. We'll talk about whatever it is that you want to discuss. Just hop on with us. And if not, we'll see you back here, 6 a.m. Central, 7 Eastern, across the Guadalupe Radio Network. And remember, starting tomorrow in the 7 o'clock hour, we are preempting our hour to the 9 o'clock in order to have our share So share starts tomorrow. Be generous, please, and be supportive of your local Catholic radio station. God bless you. God love you. And we'll see you either tomorrow or in one moment. Thank you for joining us on Your Catholic Drive Time, where it is our pleasure to keep you informed and inspired. Join us Monday through Friday at the same time, right here on your favorite Catholic radio station. Don't forget to connect with us. Just go to facebook.com forward slash Catholic Drive Time. Again, that's facebook.com forward slash Catholic Drive Time. Be sure to share more than just us today. Share Jesus with everyone you meet. Bye now, and God love you. The Guadalupe Radio Network now brings you the Holy Sacrifice of the Mass from the chapel at Our Lady of Corpus Christi in Corpus Christi, Texas. Welcome to the Holy Mass live at Our Lady of Corpus Christi, home of the Soul Community. Today we celebrate Monday of the 10th week in Ordinary Time. We celebrate this Holy Sacrifice of the Mass for all those, who, all those who are joining us online and through Guadalupe Radio and for all who are here present. I sing the mighty power of God that made the mountains rise, that spread the flowing seas abroad and built the lofty skies. I sing the wisdom that ordained the sun to rule the day. 
The moon shines full at his command, and all the stars obey. In the name of the Father, and of the Son, and of the Holy Spirit, the Lord be with you. My brothers and sisters, let us acknowledge our sins and so prepare ourselves to celebrate the sacred mysteries. I confess to Almighty God and to you, my brothers and sisters, that I have greatly sinned in my thoughts and in my words, in what I have done and what I have failed to do, through my fault, through my fault, through my most grievous fault. Therefore, I ask Blessed Mary, Ever-Virgin, all the angels and saints, and you, my brothers and sisters, to pray for me to the Lord our God. May Almighty God have mercy on us, forgive us our sins, and bring us to everlasting life. Lord, have mercy. Christ, have mercy. Lord, have mercy. Let us pray. O God, from whom all good things come, grant that we who call on you in our need may at your prompting discern what is right and by your guidance do it. Through our Lord Jesus Christ, your Son, who lives and reigns with you in the unity of the Holy Spirit, God forever and ever. Amen. A reading from the beginnings of the second letter of St. Paul to the Corinthians. Paul, an apostle of Christ Jesus, by the will of God, and Timothy, our brother, to the church of God that is at Corinth, with all the holy ones throughout Achaia, Grace to you and peace from God, our Father, and the Lord Jesus Christ. Blessed be the God and Father of our Lord Jesus Christ, the Father of compassion and the God of all encouragement, who encourages us in our every affliction, so that we may be able to encourage those who are in any affliction with the encouragement with which we ourselves are encouraged by God. For as Christ's suffering overflows to us, so through Christ does our encouragement also overflow. If we are afflicted, it is for your encouragement and salvation. If we are encouraged, it is for your encouragement, which enables you to endure the same suffering that we suffer. Our hope for you is firm, for we know that as you share in the suffering, you also share in the encouragement. The word of the Lord. Responsorial Psalm. Taste and see the goodness of the Lord. Taste and see the goodness of the Lord. I will bless the Lord at all times. His praise shall be ever in my mouth. Let my soul glory in, his, in the Lord. The lowly will hear me and be glad. Taste and see the goodness of the Lord. Glorify the Lord with me. Let us together extol his name. I sought the Lord and he answered me and delivered me from all my fears. Taste and see the goodness of the Lord. Look to him that you may be radiant with joy, that your face may not blush with shame. When the poor one calls out, the Lord heard, and from all his distress he saved him. Taste and see the goodness of the Lord. The angel of the Lord encamps around those who fear him and deliver them. Taste and see how good the Lord is. Bless the man who takes refuge in him. 
Taste and see the goodness of the Lord. Alleluia, 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 Alleluia. Rejoice and be glad, for your reward will be great in heaven. Alleluia, Alleluia. The Lord be with you. A reading from the Holy Gospel according to Matthew. Glory to you, Lord. When Jesus saw the crowds, he went up the mountain. And after he had sat down, his disciples came to him. He began to teach them, saying, Blessed are the poor in spirit, for theirs is the kingdom of heaven. Blessed are they who mourn, for they will be comforted. Blessed are the meek, for they will inherit the land. Blessed are they who hunger and thirst for righteousness, for they will be satisfied. Blessed are the merciful, for they shall be shown mercy. Blessed are the clean of heart, for they shall see God. Blessed are the peacemakers, for they shall be called children of God. Blessed are they who are persecuted for the sake of righteousness, for theirs is the kingdom of heaven. Blessed are you when they insult you and persecute you and utter every kind of evil against you falsely because of me. Rejoice and be glad, for your reward will be great in heaven. Thus they persecuted the prophets who were before them. The Gospel of the Lord. Praise to you, Lord Jesus. In that first reading, we begin the second letter of St. Paul to the, to the Corinthians. St. Paul had spent many, many, much, much time with the Corinthians, years, in fact, the most time he had spent in any community. And he was writing these letters back and forth. In this letter in particular, he's writing to the Corinthians who were a bit upset with him because he said he was going to come visit them but wasn't able. And so they kind of were beginning to sort of, quote-unquote, lose faith in Paul. And so he wanted to write them a letter of encouragement if you read this, just this first chapter, he, he from the reading we have today, he uses the word encouragement or encourage like 10 times. Like every sentence in this, in this reading, he uses the word encouragement. I think it's important for us because for us who are really truly striving to overcome our sins, who are truly tri- striving to do God's will in our life, we end up experiencing discouragement, particularly spiritual discouragement. And we need these words of St. Paul to kind of remind us that God is that source of consolation. God is the source of encouragement. And in him, we can overcome all the discouragement that comes our way because of the enemy who tries to, who is the enemy of our progress. We experience this discouragement probably in kind of two primary ways. The first is, of course, when we're striving to overcome our sins and our imperfections, they get sort of magnified in our life. The smaller things, that we just, the ones that we just have so much trouble overcoming that we trip up with constantly. And so we're encouraged to remind ourselves that we have to simply get up again and keep moving forward. It was uh, Junipero Serra, St. Junipero Serra had that great saying, he says, always forward, and I think somebody said never backwards. Siempre adelante, always forward. 
It doesn't mean that he was perfect in everything he did. It doesn't mean that he never made any mistakes. But what he did is, when he made a mistake, he got up and he kept moving forward. Because this is what God wants us to do. He does not want us to sit, sit and wallow in our sorrow and our self-pity, but to get up again with sorrow in our heart and that encouragement to keep moving forward. So that's one of the primary ways we get discouraged and our enemy is always there, the great accuser of saying, you know, look at you, keep falling into this, you know, you'll never, you'll never do any better. And it sort of leads us to the second sort of primary way that we end up um, being spiritually discouraged. And that is we either think too much of the past or we're trying to think too much too far into the future. But rather, grace is in the moment. The grace is in the moment, is in the present. When we look back, we, maybe we see all of our sins, all the things, the ways that we failed. And sometimes that brings us great sorrow and sadness and can give, get us great, give us great discouragement. But boy, I've, just, I've, I've lived a very rough life. St. Paul said something, I think, to the Corinthians. In fact, he says, I do not, I do not look back, but I always look, keep looking forward. As if he had kind of turned a corner in his life at some point. Somebody who had persecuted Christians, who had even given his consent to the stoning of Stephen. He says, I, try not, I don't look back, but I keep looking forward to the Lord, keeping my eyes fixed on the Lord. But then the other part is that then we try to sometimes look too far into the future. And so that's just discouraging because when we look at our faults and imperfections, like I'm never going to ever overcome this, or I'm, I'm, I don't seem to have much growth as I did a year ago. I haven't focused as well as I could have. And so we look to the future, so the, the future looks pretty bleak and discouraging. But rather, what we should do is like that moment, again, get up and move forward. That's the encouragement that God wants to give us. Again, he does not want us to sort of sit there and wallow in our sorrow, but to get up and to keep following him. It kind of touches upon the gospel today. Jesus goes up a high mountain. Have you ever been in the mountain of the Mount of the Beatitudes? You can see the Sea of Galilee. You can see actually quite far. And historically, mountains are places where God, where people had great encounters with God. So he goes up this mountain and he begins to teach his disciples. He begins to teach us. And one of the first words out of his mouth is blessed. God did not send his son into the world to condemn the world, but to save it. And the first words when Jesus begins to teach are blessed are you. Blessed are the poor. Blessed are those who mourn. That blessedness, if we take the Beatitudes, they really are a word picture of the interior life of Jesus. This is what it means for us to live the life of Jesus, is to live the Beatitudes. Someone once said that each Beatitude is like a kind of mountaintop in itself that keeps getting progressively higher and higher. If you like to, if you like to uh, hike the, the, uh, the Rocky Mountains, you want to get to the highest, you want to go to K2, or you want to get uh, the Himalayas, you want to go all the way to the, the, mount, the highest mountain in the world to say that you've done it, to conquer it. But here, each, each, each beatitude is like a mountaintop till you get to the very top, which when Jesus says, blessed are you when they insult you and persecute you and utter every kind of evil against you falsely because of me. And what did he say? Rejoice and be glad, for your reward be great in heaven. That our life is identified so much with Christ, who was persecuted, in fact, in fact killed, but, but for our salvation. We identify ourselves so closely with Christ. That is, of course, the goal of our spiritual life.
Let us be encouraged by all the encouragement that we're given in the readings today to live out the Beatitudes more perfectly in our life, knowing that if we fall, we simply have to get back up again. I begin anew today, right now, at this moment, and keep moving forward. We have all gathered here, dear brothers and sisters, to celebrate the mysteries of our redemption. Let us therefore ask Almighty God that the whole world may be watered from these springs of all blessing and life. For all who have vowed themselves to God, that with his help they may faithfully keep to their resolve, overcoming all spiritual discouragement in their life, let us pray to the Lord. For peace among nations that delivered from all turmoil, the peoples may serve God in freedom of heart. Let us pray to the Lord. For the elderly who suffer from isolation or sickness, that they may be strengthened by our love of them as our brothers and sisters. Let us pray to the Lord. For ourselves gathered here, that as God does not cease to sustain us with the things of this life, we may know how to use them in such a way that we may hold even now to the things that endure forever. Let us pray to the Lord. May your mercy, we beseech you, O Lord, be with your people who cry to you, so that what they seek at your prompting they may obtain by your ready generosity through Christ our Lord. Amen. Blessed are you, Lord God of all creation, for through your goodness we have received the bread we offer you. Fruit of the earth and work of human hands will become for us the bread of life. Blessed be God forever. Blessed are you, Lord God of all creation, for through your goodness we have received the wine we offer you, fruit of the vine, a work of human hands, who become our spiritual drink. Pray, dearly beloved, that my sacrifice and yours may be acceptable to God, the Almighty Father. Look kindly upon our service, O Lord, we pray, that what we offer may be an acceptable oblation to you and lead us to, the, to, glow, to grow in charity through Christ our Lord. Amen. The Lord be with you. Lift up your hearts. Let us give thanks to the Lord our God. It is truly right and just, our duty and our salvation, always and everywhere to give you thanks, Lord, Holy Father, almighty and eternal God. For in goodness you created man, and when he was justly condemned, in mercy you redeemed him through Christ our Lord. 
Through him the angels praise your majesty. Dominions adore and powers tremble before him. Heaven and the virtues of heaven and the blessed seraphim worship together with exaltation. May our voices, we pray, join with theirs in humble praise as we acclaim. Holy, holy, holy Lord, God of hosts, heaven and earth are full of your glory. Hosanna in the highest. Blessed is he who comes in the name of the Lord. Hosanna in the highest. To you, therefore, most merciful Father, we make humble prayer and petition through Jesus Christ, your Son, our Lord, that you accept and bless these gifts, these offerings, these holy and unblemished sacrifices, which we offer you firstly for your holy Catholic Church. Be pleased to grant her peace, to guard, unite, and govern her throughout the whole world, together with your servant Francis, our Pope, and Michael, our Bishop, and all those who, holding to the truth, hand on the Catholic and apostolic faith. Remember, Lord, your servants. all gathered here whose faith and devotion are known to you. For them we offer you this sacrifice of praise that they offered for themselves and all who are dear to them, for the redemption of their souls and hope of health and well-being, and paying their homage to you, the eternal God, living and true. In communion with those whose memory we venerate, especially the glorious ever-Virgin Mary, Mother of our God and Lord, Jesus Christ, and blessed Joseph, her spouse, your blessed apostles and martyrs, Peter and Paul, Andrew, and all your saints, we ask that through their merits and prayers in all things we may be defended by your protecting help. Therefore, Lord, we pray, graciously accept this oblation of our service, that of your whole family. Order our days in your peace, and command that we be delivered from eternal damnation and counted among the flock of those you have chosen. Be pleased, O God, we pray, to bless, acknowledge, and approve this offering in every respect. Make it spiritual and acceptable, so that it may become for us the body and blood of your most beloved Son, our Lord Jesus Christ. On the day before he was to suffer, he took bread in his holy and venerable hands, and with eyes raised to heaven, to you, O God, his almighty Father, giving you thanks, he said the blessing, broke the bread, and gave it to his disciples, saying, Take this, all of you, and eat of it, for this is my body, which will be given up for you. In a similar way, when supper was ended, he took this precious chalice in his holy and venerable hands, and once more giving you thanks, he said the blessing and gave the chalice to his disciples, saying, Take this, all of you, and drink from it, for this is the chalice of my blood, the blood of the new and eternal covenant, which will be poured out for you and for many for the forgiveness of sins. Do this in memory of me. The mystery of faith, when we eat this bread and drink this cup, we proclaim your death, O Lord, until you come again. Therefore, O Lord, as we celebrate the memorial of the blessed passion, the resurrection from the dead, and the glorious ascension into heaven of Christ, your Son, our Lord, we, your servants and your holy people, offer to your glorious majesty from the gifts that you have given us, this pure victim, this holy victim, this spotless victim, 
the holy bread of eternal life and the chalice of everlasting salvation. Be pleased to look upon these offerings with a serene and kindly countenance and to accept them as once you were pleased to accept the gifts of your servant Abel the just, the sacrifice of Abraham our father in faith, and the offering of your high priest Melchizedek, a holy sacrifice, a spotless victim. In humble prayer we ask you, Almighty God, command that these gifts be borne by the hands of your holy angel to your altar on high in the sight of your divine majesty, so that all of us who through this participation at the altar receive the most holy body and blood of your Son may be filled with every grace and heavenly blessing. Remember also, Lord, your servants who have gone before us with the sign of faith and rest in the sleep of peace. Grant them, O Lord, we pray, and all who sleep in Christ, a place of refreshment, light, and peace. To us also, your servants, who those sinners, hope in your abundant mercies. Graciously grant some share and fellowship with your holy apostles and martyrs. With John the Baptist, Stephen, Matthias, Barnabas, and all your saints, admit us, we beseech you, into their company, not weighing our merits, but granting us your pardon through Christ our Lord. Through whom you continue to make all these good things, O Lord. You sanctify them, fill them with life, bless them, and bestow them upon us. Through him and with him and in him, O God, Almighty Father, in the unity of the Holy Spirit, all glory and honor is yours forever and ever. Amen. At the Savior's command, informed by divine teaching, we dare to say, Our Father, who art in heaven, hallowed be thy name. Thy kingdom come. Thy will be done on earth as it is in heaven. Give us this day our daily bread and forgive us our trespasses as we forgive those who trespass against us. And lead us not into temptation, but deliver us from evil. Deliver us, Lord, we pray, from every evil. Graciously grant peace in our days, that by the help of your mercy we may be always free from sin and safe from all distress as we await the blessed hope and the coming of our Savior, Jesus Christ. For the kingdom, the power, and the glory are yours, now and forever. Lord Jesus Christ, who said to your apostles, Peace I leave you, my peace I give you. Look not on our sins, but on the faith of your church, and graciously grant her peace and unity in accordance with your will, who live and reign forever and ever. The peace of the Lord be with you always. Let's offer each other the sign of peace. Lamb of God, you take away the sins of the world. Have mercy on us. Lamb of God, you take away the sins of the world. Have mercy on us. Lamb of God, you take away the sins of the world. Grant us peace. Behold the Lamb of God. Behold him who takes away the sins of the world. Blessed are those called to the supper of the Lamb. Lord, I am not worthy. You should enter under my roof. But only say the word, and my soul shall be healed.
The Lord is my rock, my fortress, and my deliverer. My God is my saving strength. For those joining us online through Guadalupe Radio, let us pray together the act of spiritual communion. My Jesus, I believe that you are present in the most holy sacrament. I love you above all things, and I desire to receive you into my soul. Since I cannot at this moment receive you sacramentally, come at least spiritually into my heart. I embrace you as if you were already there and unite myself wholly to you. Never permit me to be separated from you. Amen. O Lord Jesus, I adore Thee for the bread of worth untold, freely given in Thy communion, wonderful a thousandfold, given today in loving bounty, more than my poor heart can hold. Let us pray. May your healing work, O Lord, free us, we pray, from doing evil, and lead us to what is right through Christ our Lord. The Lord be with you. May Almighty God bless you, the Father, and the Son, and the Holy Spirit. Go in peace, glorifying the Lord by your life. Thanks be to God. Hail Mary full of grace the Lord is with the prayer to Saint Michael Saint Michael the Archangel defend us in battle be our protection against the wickedness and snares of the devil may God rebuke him we humbly pray and do thou O Prince of the Heavenly Host by the power of God cast into hell Satan and all the evil spirits who prowl about the world, seeking the ruin of souls. Amen. 
prayer of deliverance. Almighty God and Father, we beg thee through the intercession and help of the archangels, St. Michael, Raphael, and Gabriel, for the deliverance of our brothers and sisters who are enslaved by the evil one from anxiety, sadness, and obsessions. We implore thee, deliver us, O Lord. From hatred, fornication, and envy. We implore thee, deliver us, O Lord. From thoughts of jealousy, rage, and death. We implore thee, deliver us, O Lord. From every thought of suicide and abortion. We implore thee, deliver us, O Lord. From every form of sinful sexuality. We implore thee, deliver us, O Lord. From every division in our family and every harmful friendship. We implore thee, deliver us, O Lord. From every sort of spell, malefice, witchcraft, and every form of the occult. We implore thee, deliver us, O Lord. Thou who said, Peace I leave with you, my peace I give unto you, grant that through the intercession of the Virgin Mary we may be liberated from every demonic influence and enjoy thy peace always. In the name of Christ our Lord. Amen. Hi, this is Kim. This is Courage. And this is Chastity from 321 Voices. And you are listening to 1430 AM. Radio for your soul. KSHJ Houston. 103.5 